We love you. And I'm going to give you a big hug to my online audience. I hug you and let you know that we are grateful and we appreciate you. And we will get right into the word of God. All right. With the Bibles in our hands, let's do our normal confession. Let me grab our Bible. And then after that, we will, we will pray. So this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our Creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Father God, deposit your word in my spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's bow our heads and pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father God, I'm praying that you would illuminate the word of God, that you would strengthen us, that you would uh, do just what we ask, deposit the word in us, and God, let it grow in us in a way that causes us to expand and to expound, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. One thing that I would like to uh, share, and I, sometimes I forget to do it, but I think I should do it. Uh, Lady Devin is under the weather, as well as uh, my daughter, so that's why they're not here today. And uh, I thought she was going to press her way, and I really did want her to, but I was just going to leave it up to her. And then I seen that she just decided, because she was up all night with just sinus drains. Not, nothing major, but just every time she laid down, her sinus would drain, and then she would have a sinus headache. And you know how it is when you have a sinus headache. It's hard to do a lot. And so she was looked like she was stern trying to get up and come. And I was just thinking, maybe she doesn't need to. And then I seen her crawl back into bed. And I was like, that's probably what she needs to do. So we'll just pray for her that she's well so that she'll be uh, healed so that she can uh, run her daycare in the morning. So let's, so as, as we pray over the word, we're also going to pray for her. Let's bow our heads. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, I'm praying that you would illuminate me as I uh, preach the word, that you would just touch my mouth and think through my mind. Bless the ears of the hearers. But God, also we ask that you would look on our first lady, God, that you would strengthen her, encourage her, God, and that you would allow her body to respond as well as Alana, God. Do the same thing for both of them so they can bounce back and be what they need to be on tomorrow morning. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And God, anybody else that is sick that we do not know about, God, we pray that you would touch them all. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we've been in a kingdom series and I didn't know at first that it was going to be such, but it really was been in my heart. And so that's uh, how we've been going. and We're going to stay in that. And so our first message, and I won't give any uh, extra to it. I'll just give us the titles. That way you can go back and look them up on your own. But King of Kings was the first one. And then Kingdom Come was the second one. And then we had uh, a special speaker preach this called There is a King in Me. And it was uh, Sister Kelly. And let me stop and give her her flowers. She did an excellent, excellent job as she ministered the word of God. So much so, while I was in Jamaica, someone texted me and said, you may not have a church when you get back if these women keep on preaching the way they're preaching. I said, maybe so. So today we're going to go into what I'm calling Kingdom wealth. Kingdom wealth. In this process, one of the things that we've been doing, we've been defining what king is, but I, I actually want to define kingdom. So let's look at a definition for kingdom. And there are several definitions, but these are actually not spiritual definitions. These are not Bible dictionaries. These are secular dictionaries, but it's interesting what it says. So the first one says a realm under the control of a particular person or a thing. So an entire realm under control. Number two, the spiritual reign or authority of God, the rule of God or Christ in a future age. And so this is even a dictionary saying this, that it is the realm of Christ in the future age. And what we're trying to share in this series is that we're ushering in that age. We're not just looking for the future heavenly age, but we're bringing the kingdom by the way we think, the way we act, the way we 
move, the way we bounce back, because we all make mistakes, but the way we get back up is kingdom-minded, because we're thinking that we are part of a kingdom, we serve the king, and we are kings under that king, so we're growing to be the person that we, the person and people that we need to be. So having said that, one thing that you understand about a king, a king comes with wealth. So let's look at what the word wealth means, and I, I took, it's one of its most basic definitions. And one of the most basic definitions is this, plentiful supplies of a particular resource. And the reason why I'm using that, because I don't want us just to think money only. I want us to think resources. So you can have a wealth of joy, a wealth of peace, a wealth of kindness, also a wealth of finances, a wealth of all kinds of things. And so we want to function in a manner that is wealthy because we're part of a kingdom. And so we want to have something excellent about ourselves. And so if you don't have a wealth of money, what can you do to supplement that? Well, one thing you can do is, well, I may not have a lot of money, but the least thing I can do is work on my sanity. I don't want to be broke and crazy. I'm going to pick a struggle. I ain't going to be. So I'm, I'm learning to, until I can, I'm learning to control what I can control. I may not be able to make more right now, but I'm going to control what I can control. I'm going to be a wealthy dresser. I'm going to learn how to go to the goodwill where the wealthy people deposit their stuff. I'm going to buy it from there, wash it up, clean it up, and I'm going to at least dress wealthy. I'm going to do something to show that my mindset is always bigger and better than where I presently currently am. I'm always looking to expand, looking to grow. And right now I'm pushing myself. I'm pushing myself because I told you before, I'm cheap by nature. My daddy was cheap. And so I've been pushing myself. And so when my wife and I, when we went to Jamaica, I chose that we were going to fly first class. I had never flown overseas first class. I've been in first class, but never overseas first class. And that means you got to pay more. But I felt like for 23 years of marriage, my wife is worth just showing her the finer things. And so it felt good to not walk all the way to the back. It felt good to be in the first couple seats. It felt good that as soon as I sat down, they asked me, what do you want to drink? Now, yes, it cost, but it did something to my mentality. And the more you expand your mentality, and sometimes it takes money to make money. Sometimes you got to push. But one thing I've learned is that once you put yourself in a certain realm, it's hard to go back. Once I've been parking in the valet at the airport, it's hard for me to park on the gravel and catch the bus. It's, it's something, it did something to my mindset. And so we're not focused on material things, but since my king is an excellent king and a mighty king and a powerful king, I got to step my game up somewhere down the line. It may not be at the airport. It may be in your restaurant choices. It may be just cleaning the house that you got. All them crumbs on your floor, you can get it up. Stop walking over all that stuff. Stop throwing your clothes everywhere. Learn how to expand yourself. Now, the reason why I'm working on it as it relates to the airport, because I'm bad when it relates to the clothes. My clothes look nice on Sunday morning, but if you look at my closet, my closet don't always look that great. I throw stuff here and there, but sometimes I'm passing by stuff, and I feel God telling me, pick it up. Stop being, my mom used to always say, stop being so trifling. Just look, you, you have, your mentality has to change. And one thing I've learned is that spaces are important because the more cluttered your space is, sometimes the more depressed you are. Sometimes you're not depressed. You just need to clean up. You just need to rearrange some stuff, move some stuff around, dust some stuff, vacuum some things. It helps you with your mentality. And one of the things I've tried to do in this church, I've tried to make it a space that seems excellent. Even though we are in the hood, we do not have a hood mentality. We're trying to help the hood. We're not trying to be like the hood. So we want nice stuff. We want finer things because we're part of a kingdom. Amen. And in order to be a part of the kingdom, you can't always have your hand out. Sometimes you have to be the one giving and supplying. 
All right, so now what we're going to do, and I, I took more time than I wanted to with that, but what we're going to do, we're going to put this up, kingdom wealth, and how we're going to teach it, I'm going to focus more on the negative than the positive. I'm going to do a comparison, the, but the majority of the things that I'm talking about are from the negative side. And so many times in teaching, you can do this. I like to focus on the positive, but sometimes the more you point out the negative, the better the positive just rings true. And so we're going to do that. We're going to start in this passage of Scripture, and we're going to point out the negative first, and then by the time we get to the end of it, it should have a whole idea of kingdom wealth. So let's start off with a very... Uh, a very important scripture, a very necessary scripture, and a very familiar scripture, but a very negative scripture as it relates to wealth. Let's start off with 1 Timothy 6.10. Of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. There's a lot that I have to say about that. There's a lot that I could say about that. But let's just start. First of all, people misquote it. They say money is the root of all evil. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So an improper relationship with money messes all kinds of things up. So let's start there with the most basic and most negative thing. If you have money and you love it, you're already on the wrong path. So I want to put this question up and I want to ask just a simple pointed question. How do we know if we are loving money? And what I'm going to do, I'm not going to answer that. I'm going to answer that later. I'm just going to put that in your mind. and Pick it back up later. This kind of coming attraction. But how do we know if we are loving money? As we move in this other passage, we're going to pick that up and answer the question for you. But I don't want to do it right now. I'm going to ask the question one more time so it sinks in. How do we know if we are loving money? Or how do I know if I'm loving money? And here's something that you need to understand. Broke people can still love money. It's not about how much you have. It's if your relationship with it is improper, then all kinds of evil can come. So what we're going to do in order to answer that, we're actually going to go, like I said, off topic. And then we're going to answer it in a different way. We're going to answer it by looking at Ecclesiastes 5, 10 through 20 in the New International Version. So we've got 10 scriptures, but I'm just going to take my time and add some other things in it. Because I want us to have, at the end of this, I want us to have a positive thought about wealth. But I want to go at the negative, like I said. So the most negative we started with is loving money. So you should know by now that that's totally not what we want to do. We want to love God and love people. Money is made to be used, not made to be loved. But when people love it, all kinds of negativity happens. So let's start with Ecclesiastes. What's interesting about Ecclesiastes is written by Solomon. Solomon, one of the wealthiest people who ever lived. It's, uh, it's a man named uh, Mansa Musa and Solomon. Those are the two wealthiest people who have ever uh, lived in the world. Mansa Musa was, was someone that we know was African and was black. Uh, Solomon, we don't know for sure his skin tone, but uh, we, we know that he dated black women because of uh, Song of Solomon. So I'm just throwing that out there, just that wealth is not uh, about a certain particular color. Wealth can hit anybody. All right, let's look at Ecclesiastes 5.10. Whoever loves money never has enough. Hold on just a second. Before Paul got to writing about loving money, Solomon had already talked about it. He's a wealthy man. He understands. He had already talked about it. And so continue to read. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. So Solomon is talking about a person who loves money. One of the ways you know you love money, you never have enough. You can get it and you never have enough. If you love wealth, you're never satisfied with the income. This is meaningless. So here's one of the first Things we need to understand. If you have an improper relationship with wealth, you will never have enough. No matter what you get, you will always want more. And that's problematic. All right, let's move on to verse 11. It's going to explain it even more. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them. So at some point, what happens is people who are in love with wealth, 
they get tricked not by their need, they get tricked by their eyes. In other words, I want more just because I see it. Not because I need it, but because I see it. There's an insatiable desire. And let me throw this out there because I'm not even talking about this, but this is something that you will understand as well. Sex has the same mindset. Sex can be very insatiable where it's unsatisfied. If you don't discipline yourself as it relates to that, you will never have enough. You just keep doing too much, grabbing too much. You have people who have beautiful women and still cheat. Have a person who has a beautiful, good husband and still cheat because it's something about having an improper relationship with something that is good can turn it bad. Give you another example and, and I'm taking it out of money and sex. Another example that will really bring it home for you. Fire is amazing as long as fire is in its place. Fire on a candle is awesome. Fire in a lighter is awesome. Fire in the fireplace is awesome. But once the fire gets out of the fireplace and onto the carpet, then we have trouble. If the fire gets out of the lighter and into the forest, then we have trouble. So some things are made by God and they're good things, but they're not kept in their proper places that causes all kinds of trouble. And so money's the same way. It's like fire. If it's not in its right context and if it's not proper all kinds of evil things will happen so the first thing you have to understand when it comes to kingdom wealth wealth has to be in its proper place and let me help you understand it wealth that is above people is wrong people are the most precious thing on God's green earth it is not money it's not material things your Rolls Royce is not better than people people are more important than material things. All right, let, let's move uh, further. This will help us understand even more. The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much. But as for the rich, their abundance perfect, permits them no sleep. So not, we're not just talking about any type of rich. We're talking about rich people who are in love with their wealth. And what the Bible says is those people, they can't even sleep. He said it's better for a person who works hard and has a little and is able to sleep at night than a person who's filled with abundance but can't get no rest. Because they're thinking about who's going to take it. They're thinking about how they can get more. They're thinking about how they can get over on the next person. They're thinking about the stock market. When, when the stock market crashed, some of us, it don't bother us at all. We didn't have enough money in the stock market for it for it to make any sense for us. It didn't make a difference. But people are jumping out of buildings. People are killing themselves. Just not too long ago, the Silicon Valley Bank went belly up because people are greedy and they mess this stuff up. And there are folk who have more money than you, but they don't get the sleep you can get. Some of y'all can doze off in a minute. And those people can't doze off. They can't take a nap. And the older I get, the more I like me a good nap. Now, Lady Devin tells me I don't nap, I sleep. Because when I nap, I nap for two to three hours. She says, Andre, that's not a nap. You are sleeping. Well, whatever you call it, I needed it, I wanted it, and I enjoy it. And I got to be honest, I'm ashamed of myself for the last few weeks. Because I've been in the bed by 9 p.m., 9.30. I'm like, what's wrong with me? I know what's wrong with me. I'm 46 years old and something about my age says, is nothing good at 11, 12, 1, 2? I'm going home. I'm getting in the bed. And I'm enjoying myself in the bed. I'm rested. But there are people who got more than you. Their house is bigger than yours, but they can't rest because they are so caught up with natural things. I don't want to have so much stuff that I can't even rest. Can't even sleep. Now, some of y'all go to the movies and go to sleep. That's wasting money. You should, you, should, you, should, you should at least sleep at your own house. If I go out the house, I'm at least trying to stay up. But, but understanding the importance. So, so what happens many times is the world makes us think that we have less than because we don't have everything that everybody has. And it's good to want more things, but sometimes you got to thank God for the little stuff that you have right now. The little peace that you have. There's some people that want to come to church, but they can't come to church because i got to work. 
I got I to gotta make that money. I got to get that double time. But all you're going to do with the double time is blow it and spend it. I've seen men at my job who worked every waking moment, every waking hour to amass all kinds of money so they can have this and have that. But then 25, 26, 30 years later, they get divorced and now their money's cut in half. And now they're working extra, not because they t- to have money. Now they're trying to pay for the alimony. So they spent all that that stuff but didn't pay attention to their wife and they got all that money and right when they was ready to retire the marriage breaks up all met, so, so don't focus on the wrong stuff if you don't believe me all you got to do is look through history at all the wealthy people who killed themselves when we thought they was happy we thought they were okay folk making us laugh folk like a Robin Williams that made everybody laugh and had money and movies and, and, and was at Oscar shows and dressed up but at the end of the day they're not happy they're messed up I would rather be happy in the house of God than to have a bunch of stuff and have an improper relationship with a bunch of stuff Preach, Andre, I'm trying. Ecclesiastes 5.13. I have seen a grievous evil under the sun, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owner. Solomon said, I've seen something that's, it's, it's a terrible evil. Because wealth is a good thing. But when a person grabs wealth and hoards wealth to the point where it actually hurts you, how can something good end up being bad if you don't know the proper boundaries, if you don't know what to do with it? Because wealth must have a purpose. And if you don't have a kingdom purpose with the wealth, you will gather it and you will just harm yourself. There are people who have great wealth and all they've done is harm themselves. All you got to do is watch behind the music or unsung. Or one of these stories that goes behind and they'll tell you that I had this and I had that. And all it did is it made me worse. All this did was it developed my addiction, made my addiction worse. All it did was mess up my marriage. All it did was my kids don't like me. My kids ain't got nothing to do with me. And yes, I got a big house and yes, I got this and that, but I'm not happy. So the, Solomon said, this is a terrible thing. Something that's supposed to be good is mixed up and it's horrible. Let's read verse 14. Or wealth lost through some misfortune, so that when they have children, there is nothing left for them to inherit. Do you know that many, many, many major athletes don't have nothing to leave to their kids? Run through money, don't have anything. They had jewelry, they had cars, they had trips, they had houses, and now they're broke and don't have anything. And they have kids that don't have nothing to leave it to. And Solomon said, What's awful is people who had a bunch of stuff and then misfortune, bad decisions, or being around the wrong folk or doing something. Because just because it's here today doesn't mean it won't be gone tomorrow. And so when people have the wrong relationship, they don't even, can't even leave it to the kids. Kids working that shouldn't be working. Kids struggling that shouldn't be struggling. The Bible says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Kingdom wealth touches your grandchildren. So I'd rather have it slow and small than have it fast and quick and have nothing at all. What, what, what makes you different from me if you had it all and at the end of the day you got the same amount I do? Well, I had a bunch, but you ain't got nothing now. You don't have anything to show for. And some of us, when we look back, sometimes we've had money in our hands and just wasted on stuff that that doesn't mean anything. There's only so many purses you can buy. There's only so much stuff you can have. And we got to get out of the mindset of doing ignorant things with our stuff. We got to be thinking generational with our wealth. And God says, I'm not going to deposit to you and bring it to you if you're doing things that the world is doing. And we've been so tricked, especially in this American economy. It's all about me, 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 me. But that's not what wealth is for. Wealth is to touch everybody around you. If I'm wealthy, everything connected to me is wealthy. It's about expanding. It's about sharing. It's about building. It's about developing. It's not about hoarding. Because when you hoard, misfortune comes. Having said that, I, I want to put this picture up. This is a show I've been watching lately, uh, BMF, Black Mafia Family. How many people have been watching that show or just paying attention to it? 
Yeah, some, some of them. I, I, I've always liked mafia stories. I've always liked drug culture stories, not because I want drugs or I want to be in the mafia. It's just interesting to see the story of how people grab things, especially growing up, uh, coming through what we call the crack epidemic. And yes, what, what my dad did, he worked with the people who were struggling with that. But now I'm watching shows on the other side, how the people were grabbing money. And sometimes they're fascinating shows. Sometimes there's, there's good stuff. Now they embellish a little bit. But there's always a key theme in all the mafia movies I've watched, and all the stuff that I looked at, all the gangster stuff I watched. It always ends one of three ways. Dead, in prison, or they broke. I don't care how much they had when they started. I don't care what they did to get it. And many times, all the people they lost along the way, all the friends that died, all the people that got shot up just so you can have a nice car. It's interesting to see dope dealers that don't even have mortgages. Dope dealers that you got a bunch of, uh, you got a bunch of sneakers in your closet but you don't have no life insurance. Dope dealers that I got to bury and then we got to have a GoFundMe to bury you. You had all this money, but you spend it on ignorant stuff because if you don't know the purpose for wealth, you'll mess it up. Now, now uh, this, this story, it, it, it's, it's, it's a good story, but there's another documentary that actually paints it a little bit better. BMF actually stands for Black Mafia Family. They're, they come from Detroit. And there, there's many stories I can point to, but I pointed to that one because there's another documentary that says it even better. So let's put this picture up. This BMF documentary, it changes the uh, letters to, instead of Black Mafia Family, to Blowing Money Fast. At the end of the day, that's all it really is. Not only are you poisoning your community, but you're blowing money fast. One of the, the lady, ladies, uh, I was studying her story, and they say that she ran through close to $500 million. Not five, not 50, 500 million. And it wasn't just that she blew through it, but when she got arrested and she went to prison and she came home, she said it all was gone. Well, who got it? I'll tell you who got it. The government's got it. The police agencies got it. And that's why sometimes they don't really want to clean up the community because you're funding their vacations and you're funding their stuff. They want you to keep doing it because if you stop, they wouldn't have. There was no such thing as a drug task force. And if y'all stopped doing it, people would be out of jobs. So guess what? They don't want you to stop. Because yo, you blow through it, it's going to go through the government. It's going to go here, go there. And if you study stories like the crap epidemic in California, you'll realize that it was the CIA that was allowing drugs to come in so they could sell it in our community. It's a wicked, messed up world. And if you get caught up in it, all you're going to end up doing, you're going to be dead or in jail or you're going to blow through it fast. All right? Having said that, I'm going to read a... Uh, uh, Three verses. It's actually the same verse in three different versions. I'm just going to paint the picture real quick. Remember, I'm going on the negative side, but I want to paint it real quick for you. Let's look at Proverbs 10:2 NIV. Simply says this: Ill-gotten treasures have no lasting value, but righteousness delivers from death. Let's read it in the New Living Translation. This paints it even clearer. Tainted wealth has no lasting value. But right living can save your life. Let me, let, let, let me say something to y'all. You, you, you may say, Pastor, I ain't, I ain't never been to Jamaica. Well, listen, if you've got to do something wrong to go, you don't need to go. You are better off having a righteous life. Well, Pastor, I ain't been that far. I haven't been able to do that much. If you're living righteous, you are better off than doing something wrong, unscrupulous, evil to get it. Don't listen to the world. If you got to manipulate to get it, you got to manipulate to keep it. If you got to rob and steal and cut and be an evil person to get it, it's not worth it. It's not real wealth if you got to do that to get it. And some people who have gone that path will come back and tell you, please don't go down that path. It ain't worth it. It ain't worth the headache. 
it ain't worth knowing at the end of the day that you are a horrible person because in order to have the car I have, I had to kill Tommy and Tommy's sons. And I got to hide and hide and nobody know who did it. And I was talking to our young people at Concrete Rose last Sunday and they weren't really paying attention. And I was letting them know, y'all got to pay attention because in my uh, situation, I told them, I have the unfortunate uh, uh, situation of having to bury y'all when y'all don't pay attention in stuff like this. Just some days later, another young man gunned down in the street. I won't say his name, but we all know him. His daddy was gunned down in the street. Five years later, he's gunned down. When will we wake up? It's not worth it. You got mamas crying. You got baby mamas crying. You got people hurting because folk think that just, just oh, you disrespected me, so I'm going to shoot you, or, or I, I, I want this and I want that. I wish we would wake up. I'm tired of doing funerals. There's enough people dying for just simple stuff, let alone we snuffing people out and killing and robbing and doing all kinds of ignorant stuff, and I'm tired of it. And some of us are doing it just so we can stun on somebody else. Ooh, look at my Rolex. Your Rolex is filthy money. Your Rolex is dirty money. Your Rolex ain't worth a dime. But oh, don't let me just jump on our young men who are doing silly things. Oh, it's up in the corporate levels. Oh, yeah, it's drug addicts in the corporate levels. It's folk doing wicked stuff in the corporate levels, but they hide their stuff, and when they get caught, they slap them on the wrist. When we get caught, you get 30, 40, 50 years, but when they get caught, uh, two months probation. You robbed people. You took people's, uh, uh, Enron and Bernie Madoff took people's money, took Poor women, poor men's money, and, and they just gave them a little this and a little that. I'm telling you, this system is wicked. And if you don't step over in the kingdom, I promise you, whatever you're doing ain't worth it. Oh, pastor, I'm going to the Fiji Islands. It's one of my places I want to go. Me and Brother Benny talk about it. I want to go to the Fiji Islands. But if you got to take your side chick to the Fiji Islands, it ain't worth it. It, 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 you don't want to be one of those people that when they bury you, you have to have you know, my wife was so and so, and then all you got to have all these extra special fins in the obituary because you lived a raggedy life and you hide and doing this and doing that. And I'm telling you, the men that have done it would tell you it ain't worth it. At the end of the day, I would rather be with the one that I'm with than to run around and try to duck and hide and dodge this and dodge that. I, I can't go nowhere. And let me tell you, young lady, let me tell you, spiritual deliverance temple lady, if all your gifts came on the 15th, the 16th, and the 17th of February, you might not be the main one. If you couldn't go out on the 14th, you might be the side one. And you can't be a kingdom woman if you're always happy being the side woman. You got to make up in your mind, I'm not the side piece of anybody. If I can't be the main one, go on about your business. And while I'm on that subject, some people, they're not accidentally the side one. You decide one on purpose. Oh, all men are dogs. Well, let's not just talk about the men. Some of y'all pray on folk. You, make, you, you look at the one. Somebody told me uh, something the other day. Uh, well, actually, it was several years ago, but I, I've said it before. But I said, one of the things that makes me most attractive is not my car, not my suits, not my beard and my bald head, and it's not the fancy cologne I wear. It's the wedding ring on my finger. Because there's some women, they don't want you until you somebody else's. And that's when they're going to try to attach, and that's when they're going to try to shoot their shot. And some of them are saved Christian women and you're wrong because what you're doing, you're messing with real wealth. A real relationship is real wealth. And if you don't have the mindset for that, get out of people's faces. All right, I got to get off of that, but we know it's tight, but it's right. Proverbs 10, 2 in the Amplified. Treasures of wickedness and ill-gotten gains do not profit, but righteous and moral integrity in daily life rescues from death. Now, let me tell you the truth. Sometimes moral living and righteous life is boring. 
it's more fun to be twerking every night until you get 45, 50. You're you too old for all that. But it, uh, it, it's more fun to be showing if you got it, flaunt it. It's more fun to do all that until it catches up with you. So you got, sometimes you just got to buckle down and realize I'm saved. Well, I go to deliver simple, and we don't talk about this and that. Yeah, but there's some stuff you just shouldn't want to do. There's some places you just shouldn't want to be in. There's some activities you shouldn't be comfortable in because you're trying to live a moral life to rescue you from death. I don't want to die an unfruitful life. I I don't want to die and be a person that when I die, the question is, what was really going on? There was a a young man who had... uh, had come off of uh, uh, drugs and dope and uh, come out of a, a, a lifestyle and end up becoming a preacher and doing well and pastoring a church. And then he dies in a weird death. And finally, when they find him in the hotel, he's got a vial of cocaine in his uh, pocket. And when they do the out. Topsy, he's got cocaine in his system. Now, he was saved. He was a pastor. But the thing about it, the way he died, it left a whole lot of questions. The way he died, it left a whole lot of issues. Yes, I've been a good man, but if I die in a way that's just, ugh, yeah, yeah, people are going to be sad and they're going to bury me, but they're going to have a lot of questions. Don't live a fruitful life and then one day with one moment just mess it up and do silly stuff. You got to learn how to pull yourself together and discipline yourself. I can't do everything. I can't go everywhere. I can't be everywhere. I got to be an example for the people that are coming behind me. All right, let's continue to read. Ecclesiastes 5.15. Remember, we're going on the negative side. Read. Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb. And as everyone comes, so they depart. They take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hands. They always say you never see a U-Haul following a hearse. Because at the end of the day, can't take it with you. I've seen people in funerals throw money in caskets. Do that if you want to. The folk at the at the gravesite, they taking that stuff out of there. Them, all, so all that extra stuff, you put the fake jewelry in there because you can't take it with you. And so don't make decisions now that will cost you and you can't take it with you. Let's look at verse 16. This too is a grievous evil. As everyone comes, so they depart. And what they do gain since they toil for the wind. And what do they gain? Yeah. So the question, what, what are they actually getting out of all of that? All right, let's look at verse 17. All their days they eat in darkness with great frustration, affliction, and anger. He, he's talking about the wealthy folk. The folk that love money. Now, we've all had frustrations. Sometimes when you're broke and don't have stuff and you can't always make ends meet, that's frustrating. But he's saying these people are, have everything and they still frustrate. I don't want to have stuff and still be frustrated. I don't want to have stuff and still eat in darkness, still be lonely, be in a big mansion and still lonely because I had to stab everybody in the back to get it. I had to do all kinds of stuff to get it. And I don't want to mess up your, uh, be a spoiler for you, but if you know anything about the BMF story, the brothers, they end up being, having a family feud. They end up going at each other. So at the end of the day, if you're doing a bunch of junk and doing a bunch of wrong stuff, you at the end of the day, you have nothing nothing to show for it. You die lonely. You die hurt. You rot in prison. All kinds of stuff. And I'm painting this picture purposely because I don't want you to ever look at your life and want what somebody else has. If you have it righteously, you're better off having it that way. All right, let's let's, uh, look at this point. I'm going to put this point up here. This just makes it real plain. If you can't take it with you, Should you really sell your soul for it? If you can't take it with you, should you stab your neighbor in the back for it? If you can't take it with you, should you lie on your friend for it? If you can't take it with you, should you snitch for it? If you can't take it with you, and I'm talking about street stuff. But let me talk about church stuff. If you can't take it with you, why you got a $2,000 prayer line? 
and a $1,000 prayer line. And let me tell you, some of the worst offenders are not the drug dealers. It's these jack-leg preachers in church that, that don't have no heart for people. All they see is people as dollar signs. If you can't take it with you, why would you do that? Because the Bible says, and Peter said it, he said, I answer to the great shepherd. If I can't preach for free, I don't need to be preaching. It's not that I don't deserve to have something for my labor, but if I only do it to get something from you, and I'm only doing it to manipulate you, and there are people that will come in and they try to figure out how many folk are in the building so they know what kind of offering they can raise. It's about 50 people in here, so, so uh, we, we, going, we probably can't get 50,000, but I need 20 folk. God told me uh, there's 20 people in here with a $1,000 seat. God didn't tell them that. That's what they want. I'm not saying always, sometimes God will prompt, but there's been a season of preachers taking advantage of people, manipulating people, and God is going to get them. It's not right, and God don't like it. And stop being, being tricked late night, 2 o'clock in the morning with these BT preachers yelling and hollering, don't send your money to none of them unless God tell you. You put your sin big seeds over there, but got a pastor you see every Sunday and won't put money in the bucket here. Stop giving to folk you don't know and give it to somebody that you know is living a life before you that ain't doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Am I perfect? No, but do I live a life that I preach about? I sure do. Yeah. All right, let's, let's keep going because we, we, at some point we got to make this positive. Let's look at Luke 9.25. This brings it home even better. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit or forfeit their very self? This makes it so simple. What good does it do to gain the whole world but lose your soul? What, what, what good does the vacation do if your soul is not saved? What good does the Louis Vuitton uh, purse or the Birkin bag or, or the Gucci belt, what good did it do if you lose your soul? What, what good does it do to, to, to sell fentanyl that you know is going to kill folk just so you can have some rims on your car and lose your soul? It's a wicked, wicked mindset knowing that you're putting stuff in the streets that's hooking people and killing people and all you want to do is sit back and buy another pair of Jordans. You devil you. It's not worth it losing your soul. And so obviously y'all wouldn't be here if that's your mindset. So I'm teaching you this for a reason. I'm teaching this because sometimes when you are going through things the long way when you're building wealth the long way, when you're working a job and you see folk who don't have a job always on Facebook, always on vacation, and they wonder how in the world y'all vacationing and I got a clock in every day. Don't worry about what they're doing. You keep doing what God has called you to do. Because when God breaks it for you, it will be better than somebody else. So don't worry about it. God will bless you. I'm, I'll give you an example. of When we were in, in Jamaica, we were uh, talking to a, a young girl, and uh, I, I, I'll try to say it in a, in a way that cleans it up, but, but there was uh, a lady, uh, it happened to be a white lady, and most of the people there are Jamaican or of African descent, so they're, they're black looking. And so this lady talks about how there was this wealthy uh, girl who spoke to her, and she wanted something done. And it just she couldn't make the accommodation. She said, I'm going to try to accommodate you, but I don't know if I can. And the girl called her a black bee to her face. You need to do this and that. Because she's wealthy, she felt like folk are just supposed to jump and do whatever you want them to do. And she's like, I can't make this accommodation. And she said they went on up to the room, and then her husband came back and was trying to apologize. I'm, I'm sorry for my wife. And so the lady just told me, she was like, it's good to see some young black people here. We're going to go out our way to help y'all and treat y'all right because we got some other people who are rich and treat us bad. In other words, we ain't done anything. They just saw us and knew we're going to try to help y'all. We're going to try to make y'all y'all vacation extra special because there's some other folk here. They got money, but they got nasty attitudes. They got money and they treat folk wrong. Every time I somebody opened the door for me, Thank you. I appreciate you. Yes, I pay for it, but I appreciate you. 
And when you do it that way, God says, I'm going to bless you. And I have folk that they, they wouldn't let me do stuff. You normally, when, when people overseas grab your stuff, they want the tip. Don't, they, don't let them touch none of your stuff because they're going to ask for some money. They was grabbing my stuff. I was like, no, I got it. And the man said, you're on vacation. Let me take care of you. And then he put it there where I need to go and left. He didn't want no tip. He wasn't looking for nothing. He said, we're here to serve you. I'm like, I like this attitude. I appreciate this. I like being served. But even though I'm being served, thank you. I appreciate you. Have a good day. Have a nice day. Be nice, be kind, show love. And what God is saying, I'm getting ready to flip the, turn, the, the tables. I'm getting ready to turn things that are upside down, right side up, because the people are calling folk black bees and all kinds of this and that. I'm getting ready to take wealth out of their hands and put it in the hands of people that know how to appreciate folk. So don't worry, don't stress, your day is coming. Don't, don't, don't get tricked by what somebody else is doing. Your day is coming. Yes, I'm going to get a little deep. Yes, you can make some money getting you an OnlyFans, shaking your, bu- your body on the video. Yes, you can make some more money, but you won't have your integrity. You, 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 you won't have your moral integrity. So some stuff you just got to say no to. Yes, you can date him, but if you date him and if he takes you here and there, there are certain things he expects you to do. And if you want your moral integrity, I'd rather go to McDonald's than to go with you and I got to do stuff I don't want to do. I would rather have my integrity because I want kingdom wealth. And it's on its way. Somebody say it's on its way. Now I'm going back to the original question that we had as we move toward our close. The original question was how do we know if we are loving money? Number one, if you didn't find yourself in all that stuff I was talking about, all that evil and wicked stuff, that should let you know you don't love money. Number one, if you at church today, you probably don't love money. Because folk who love money, they ain't got time for stuff like this. They ain't got time. What, what, what am I getting out of this? If I ain't getting nothing, I ain't coming. So more than likely, you don't love money. But let, let's look at what the scripture said to show you. Because this is what sometimes people will do. When you do get blessed, they'll point their finger at you and say, oh, Chris, you ain't supposed to be loving money. No, just because I got a new car don't mean I'm loving money. Just because I got what I want to have don't mean I'm loving money. So what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to show you. So when the haters come and try to talk you out of your blessing, I want you to be able to let them know, no, baby, I worked for this. I, I, no, I sold for this. I, I waited for this. I, I've been through for this. No, you can't take this away from me. It, it took a while for me to get to where I was. And what Sister Kelly was talking to us about when she uh, preach about there's a king in me you look at all it took for David to get to the kingdom all it took for him to become the king he went through hell and high water so if you've been through hell and high water when you finally arrive you need to go ahead and throw your head back and be proud of where you arrive you can't talk me out of this this blessing belongs to me I appreciate it thank you very much now I'm a kind person I'm a good person but on me and my wife's vacation, if the stewardess asked me, um, uh, Pastor, since you're a good man, good Christian man, can you give up your first class seat and go to the back for this? No, not today. Maybe another time. No, I paid for this. I, I waited for this. I worked for this. This belongs to me. I'm not sharing this. I'm not, I'm not letting you have some of this. This belongs to me. It's my turn. And you got to understand when it's your turn, it's just your turn. I can't apologize for it. It's my turn. Man, back in the day when we would go to the basketball court, we would say, I got next. And when the person finally lost, when one of the teams finally lost, they got to get off the court. Why? Because I got next. I called it. And there were some people who were trying to say, no, I'm staying. No, you're not staying because it's my turn. Let me tell you, dope dealer, it's my turn. Let me tell you, pornographer, it's my turn. Let me tell you, you business person that's wrong and dirty, it's my turn. It's the church's turn. It's the kingdom's turn. And the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. It's our turn. And I want what belongs to me. Devil, it belongs to me. 
That house belongs to me. That car belongs to me. That money belongs to me. That promotion belongs to me. That job belongs to me. It's my turn. Sister K, it's your turn. It's your turn. You waited long enough. It's your turn. Let me, let, let, let me read a little more before I lose my mind. Y'all about to make me lose my mind up in here. <laughs> uh, y'all about to make me go all out up in here. Why? Because the blessing of the Lord is headed my way. I'm blessed when I come. I'm blessed when I go. I'm blessed in the front. I'm blessed in the back. I'm blessed on Monday, but I'm blessed on Tuesday. I'm blessed on Wednesday, but Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I'm blessed. We used to sing a song years ago, I am blessed. I am blessed. Every day that I am living, I am blessed. When I wake up in the morning till I lay my head to rest, I am blessed. Hallelujah. I am blessed. Well, you don't look like you're blessed, but I'm blessed. It don't feel like you're blessed, but I'm blessed. You don't eat like you're blessed, but I'm blessed. Because you're looking at the world, but if you knew the God that I serve, he has the cattle on a thousand hills. I'm blessed whether you know it or not. How do I know I'm blessed, Mother Mitchell? Because the devil wouldn't mess with me the way he messed with me. He's trying to stop me from getting to something. There's some stuff with your name on it. There's some clothes with your name on it. There's some cars with your name on it. There's some places with your name on it. There's some jobs with your name on it. So just keep doing what God told you to do. And somebody say, well, I don't need all that. I don't want all that. Okay. You ain't got to have it. Maybe your blessing is healing. Maybe your blessing is breaking addiction. Whatever it is, it belongs to you. Let's look at 1 Timothy 6, 9. This backs up from that famous uh, verse, and it gives us more context to the famous verse. Read that. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmless, harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. People who have the wrong relationship. And then it goes into that famous verse, verse 10. Read that again. Verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. How do you know you love money is you are pierced through with a whole bunch of sorrows, ruin, and destruction. I wouldn't go to that church as that pastor. He go, all he do is wear suits. All he care about is suits and he don't love people. But is his life ruined? Do it look like his life is going in the wrong direction or in the positive direction? If it looked like my life is going in the positive direction, I do not love money. Don't let somebody trick you and talk you out and talk bad about your pastor just because they see what I do and they look at what I'm doing on, on Facebook. You, listen, you don't know what I paid for the suit that I'm wearing. Sometimes the suit that I'm wearing, I done paid so little for it, I'm ashamed to tell you. But I know how to make it look good. I know how to work what I got. One of my favorite outfits I have cost me $25. I was messing around in Kohl's and went to the clearance rack. I stay on the clearance rack. I love me a good bargain. I, I got in the clearance rack and I grabbed a jacket. And the jacket I grabbed was on sale from clearance. But then they said it was 70% off the lowest ticketed price. I'm like the lowest ticketed price. It brought the jacket down to $8. Then I found me some pants and I found me a vest, all from different places on the clearance rack. They did not go together, but I put them together. And then my wife had some Kohl's cash on top of it. Baby, when I got done, the whole thing cost $25. And when I go out, people are like, man, that's bad. I'm ashamed to tell them how much I paid. But let me tell you something. When God want to work something out, he can turn stuff around. You can't beat God blessing. You can't beat God giving. God can raise you up to get it or he can bring it down to where you can grab it. Either way, God is the one that can do it. So let's, let's make it real simple. Proverbs 10, says it this way. This is how you know the difference. The blessings of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Woo! If I can't eat a steak without being mean to the waiter, I'm not blessed. But if I'm nice and kind 
and I'm a big tipper and a good tipper and I know how to treat people. Maybe I don't love money. Maybe it's just the blessing of God on my life. Maybe the blessing of God is on me. When you see me with my next Cadillac, folk gonna tell you that your pastor is caught up with stuff. Don't worry about what they tell you. It's not me caught up. It's that the blessing of the Lord, it will make rich and it adds no sorrow. I'm not sorry. I'm happy. If you look at me, guess what? If I was happy when I had nothing I'm going to be happy when I got something because it's the blessing of the Lord I didn't have to do nothing evil to get it I didn't have to rob steal and cheat to get it it was the blessing of the Lord that makes all the difference here's a point to put up I got to move on I'm going longer than what I thought but I got my bow tie on so y'all should expect here's the answer wealth filled with multiple sorrows and the lost soul is not kingdom wealth. It's the love of money. It's just that simple. All right, let's continue. Ecclesiastes 5.18. Now it switches to the positive. We're going to switch to the positive real quick. This is what I have observed to be good. That it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them. For this is their lot. In other words, it's not honorable to chase get-rich-quick schemes. It's honorable to put your head down and little by little grow and grow and grow. Little by little clock in every day. Go to college and get good grades. Sometimes when you get it longer, when you take the journey, God says, I'm blessing the journey. Stop trying to cheat your way to the top, but take your time. And God said, that's what I call good. Let's look at verse uh, verse 18 again. I'm going to read in another version. I'm going to put, put it up. It's a different version. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun. The few days of his life that God has given him for this is his life. All right, let's put this up. and This will help us bring it even home more. Instead of always trying to take a shortcut to wealth, Find joy in the grind. Yeah, find joy in it. Yes, it took you a long time. Yes, you had to go to school. And yes, you had to get this degree and get that. But when you do it that way, when somebody tries to take it from you, you don't listen to them because you know, listen, I, I don't work to this. I, I just reached 25 years on my job. It took something to go through there. So I appreciate everything I got. Now I got a good job where I don't work as hard. And guess what? I don't care. Because I spent my time working hard. I spent my time getting oil and dirt on me. Now I got a good job. You want me to be sorry for it? No, I'm not sorry. I'm happy. I appreciate it. I worked hard to get it. And you can't take it away from me. So put this up. This is so simple. But you'll understand it. Work hard and play hard. Don't just jump to the play. But if you've been working hard, if you've been laboring, if you've been doing like Sister Kelly taught us, and there's been a king in you, she talked about how she went through to become the principal that she is now. And of course, that's not how she wanted to go, but God brought her. But now that she's there, she might as well enjoy it. Work hard, play hard. Some of y'all been working hard. You've been suffering. You done gone through. You done took care of family members. You done took care of grandkids. I'm telling you, go ahead and play hard. You deserve it. It's kingdom wealth. Go ahead. You done took care of everybody's situation. When God bless you with something, keep it for yourself and enjoy your life. You deserve it. Not only that, I want us to put up this point, this picture. Work hard, play harder. Go even harder, all right? Verse 19, read verse 19. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. This is, this is a gift of God when you have wealth and the ability to enjoy it. Not looking over your shoulder. When I see sirens, I know they ain't coming for me. Now, I used to because I used to drive too fast. But now, when I see sirens, they ain't coming for me. I ain't done nothing that deserves them. They could be running 
past me and wouldn't bother me. If they grabbed me, I'd be shocked because I'm not doing anything that should get me. I ain't got nothing in my car that you can search and find. No, I know I'm doing the right thing. And so when I get blessed, I don't want you looking at me. And if you pull me over, guess what? I've got something to say because I ain't done nothing wrong. I've done it the right way. All right, let's close with these few pictures and a few verses. Put this up, March Madness. Mark, man, I'm praying for all you Purdue fans. The devil, I'll tell you what. Well, I tell you something, sometimes Indiana teams would just make you mad. But anyway, that's, that's another story. This is, this is the season of March Madness. But many p- churches change it from March Madness to this. March Gladness. And so as we're coming to the close of the sermon, this is how I want to close because it's something important in the scripture. I want us to think of not March Madness, but from this day forward, from March, I want it to be March Gladness. Now, March is the only uh, month that actually is a command. March actually means to march. And my anniversary is March 4th, which is the only date in the whole calendar that is a command, March 4th. And what I'm telling you, I want y'all to march forth towards some good stuff. I want you to march forth towards some kingdom wealth. I want March gladness to hit your house. We done had enough madness. We done had enough sadness. We done had enough hurt. We done had enough tears. It's time for some goodness and some gladness to come and run us down. The Bible said the blessing of the Lord, it will overtake you. I want to be overtaken by the goodness of the Lord. All my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so so good God show me your goodness and so let's look at Ecclesiastes 520 we're going to read this in two different versions Ecclesiastes 520 this is the NIV they seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart he's saying when they do it right they do it positive they seldom reflect on the bad stuff because God keeps them occupied with gladness. I'm here to tell you in these next several months, God going to keep you occupied with gladness. Yes, yeah, some bad stuff is going to try to come your way. But your good days are going to outweigh your bad days. And you're going to have gladness show up. You're going to be happy and not even know why you're happy. The devil can't bring you down. You're going to have a smile on your face, a pep in your step. Because the March gladness is coming your way. Let's look at verse 21. I mean, verse 20 in the same, in a different version. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the past. Some of your past has been so hard, you can't help thinking about it. But your next days, God's going to keep you so busy with goodness and enjoyment and good news that you don't even have time to think about what you lost and think about what what went wrong and what happened and this person and that person. God is getting ready to turn some stuff around for some of y'all and I declare it, I decree it in the name of Jesus. Gladness is coming your way. You're going to be so glad and having so much dessert, you might have to watch your waistline. You, you might have to pull back. Stuff is going to be, this stuff is going to be good. People are going to be inviting you to stuff. You're going to have to turn down. I can't go to all these places. And I'm talking about not just inviting you. I'm talking about we got it paid. We got your way paid. There's a way. I'm talking about gladness that's going to blow your mind. All right, so this is how we close. Because I could preach all day because I feel it in my spirit. But here, here, put this up, and this is where we're closing. We are marching toward a new normal where kingdom wealth is our portion, gladness is common, and the pains of the past are only in our rearview mirror. Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to say it one more time. We are marching toward a new normal where kingdom wealth is our portion, not wealth by ill-gotten gains, but kingdom wealth. Gladness is common, and the pains of the past are only in the rearview mirror. If you believe it, shout amen. Then somebody say, gladness, march toward me as I march toward gladness. All right, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father God, you purposely made me set up the negative side of wealth just to prove to the people that that's not who they are. 
They're not evil people. And if there's anybody that has an evil mindset with wealth, I pray that it gets, that that, that spirit leaves them because that's the spirit of mammon. But these good people, these hardworking people, these dedicated people, these people that are trying to bounce back and put their life together after crises that they've been through. God, I'm praying that kingdom wealth finds them and gladness comes over them in a, such a way that they're glad they did it the right way. It may have been the long way, but it'll be the right way and they'll find joy in the grind. And we thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great week.